everyone, and welcome to the Black Coffee Fight Club, episode one. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last few years and uh, you know, you're not into MMA or combat sports, then you might want to skip this episode because um, this is uh, an experimental uh, attempt at trying to do something that I'm um, trying to talk about subjects that I really enjoy, which is mixed martial arts, uh, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, any kind of combat sport. For those of you out there who are into this stuff, um, yeah, let me know how I do. Uh, hit me up on Facebook or anything like that and just let me know if you guys have any questions or suggestions or just general comments or you want to uh, you know, disagree with some of my points, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Uh, for at least for the foreseeable future, this podcast is going to live on the Everything Went Black feed. Um, if this turns out to be something that people are interested in and, uh, you know, there's interest in listening to more episodes and starts to grow, then, um, you know, most likely I'll, I'll set up another feed so you can just subscribe to one or the other. But uh, for now, um, before, you know, we're getting things off the ground, man. So we're just going to put it with uh, the other Everything Went Black episodes. So just a heads up out there. If you don't like any of this stuff, you may want to skip these episodes or... You might want to check them out. Maybe you find out that you actually do enjoy some of these things. You know, a lot of people I know kind of backed into MMA or watching, uh, you know, boxing or combat sports. You know, they just sort of their friends got into it and um, they become these huge fans. So before we get into UFC 210, which is uh, this weekend's uh, card, uh, definitely want to mention uh, Bellator 175, which was this past Friday. Uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson retires after, retired after his rematch with uh, King Mo Lawal. And uh, honestly, it was kind of a boring fight. Uh, Rampage looked out of shape and was slow. And uh, I've never been a huge fan of King Mo's fighting style anyway. Um, it seems to be a little outdated. He's kind of the wrestler boxer, uh, going for the takedowns all the time. I mean, he was moving great, uh, but, you know, it's just sort of, it looks like I was watching a fight from like the 1998 era of MMA. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, Rampage is a legend and he's a fan favorite. A lot of people, um, you know, really enjoy watching Rampage fight. And he's got a personality and you know, I wish him the best of luck in his post-fight career. Um, I could see Rampage doing TV. I could see him doing movies. Um, he's got a big personality and... Um, you know, he's someone that I've been following for many years, so I, you know, wish him success. Uh, the fight at the fight night was actually really good. There's a lot of really good bouts on the fight. One of my favorites was um, in the heavyweight division, Jake Gormley versus Sergey Karatanov. And um, for those of you who've been watching uh, MMA for a while, Karatanov's been around for a really long time. Um, he had fight. He also fights in Glory, but he has fights in Pride, Dream, Strike Force. And he's beaten guys like Alistair Overeem, Fabricio Verdum, Andre Arlovsky. And uh, another one of my favorite fighters, K1 champ, former K1 champ, Semi Schult. And um, Karatanov was very composed in his fight against Gormley. You know, he kind of stalked him around the ring. And uh, Gormley was getting off a bunch of shots, scoring a bunch of points, and then, boom, lights out. It was a pretty brutal knockout. But yeah, it was a great fight. You know, short short and sweet, as they say. Also, uh, earlier on in the evening, there was Jake Roberts versus Steve Kazala. 
Kozala, Kozolo, Kozola, Steve Kozola. Sorry about that, Steve. I'm not that familiar with a lot, some of the fighters on Bellator, but um, I go into these fights from the beginning to the end. And uh, I was exciting fight. Kozola, uh, you know, got the victory. And then immediately he called out uh, Dylan Dennis, who is uh, Conor McGregor's BJJ coach. And uh, though Dylan has a zero and zero MMA record, uh, he's sort of adopting the sort of persona of Conor McGregor, you know, wearing loud shirts. But he's kind of like the discount version of Conor McGregor because I don't think he quite has the bankroll to throw down and uh, purchase uh, the quality of clothes and accoutrements that McGregor has. So it's a drag. Um, you know, he's a Marcelo Garcia black belt. I remember seeing him around the gym when he was a brown belt several years ago, and he seemed like a pretty cool guy. I don't know him personally, just seeing him around. And, um, yeah, I would. I kind of wish he would just let his martial arts do the talking and not be such a mouthpiece, especially with having a zero and zero record. It just seems very disrespectful. It's unsure as to what weight class is going to be fighting at, could be 170 or 155, but I tell you what, I'd like to see Crone Gracie versus D- Dylan Denise. Uh, that could be uh, the fight that he needs, you know. So anyway, that's uh, that was Bellator. It was a Friday night. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, in my opinion, I kind of feel I'd kind of rather watch Bellator because I feel like the UFC has turned into this three ring circus where nothing really makes sense. They're making these fights with guys that are ranked lower than the contenders, and some people are getting title shots. Sometimes it works out. Like Cody Garbrandt, I think he was rated eight. He might have been ranked like sixth or seventh or eighth or something like that. Jumped the line, and he had a great fight against Dominic Cruz. He showed us things that none of us knew Cody was capable. The movement, the footwork. Um, It was a great fight, and we probably would have never seen it had it the UFC actually followed the logic of rankings. So in that case, it worked out. But there's a lot of crazy shit going on. A lot of people jumping, doing these super fights. Uh, I enjoy stuff like that on occasion. However, i rather see a more sportsman-like approach to mixed martial arts. You know, that's kind of what I like about Bellator. I mean, they do have these tentpole events, you know, where you'll see Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie fight. But then the rest of the, the rankings just follow a sort of logic. And the best guys end up fighting the best guys. And uh, I think they kind of have the best of both worlds. It's also on free television. So they do have um, a pay-per-view coming up, which I think is a very interesting development in the Bellator world. They're making a, a bid, I guess, for the pay-per-view space. I'm not sure how if that may or may not uh, backfire on them. If your customer base is expecting the product to to be free uh, with commercials and then you present them a card, which is a pay-per-view, that may backfire on them. You know, with the UFC, they primarily uh, were a pay-per-view organization and the free TV aspect came later and um, people are used to paying for UFCs. But uh, I'm interested. It's, It's an interesting time. Um, I got to be honest with you, I feel like the post-purchase UFC is suffering. 
uh, you know, I prefer the old days, or I prefer the, the recent old days of, you know, we had GSP, Chuck Liddell, um, there was the sponsorships. I like the, um, you know, flaming skull with wings, swords, you know, Spartan helmet, MMA shirt, walkout shirt era, you know, the era of sponsors. I thought that added a certain culture to the whole sport. And watching fighters in uniforms, to me, uh, doesn't really seem, um, you know, aesthetically correct, for lack of a better term. And also knowing that the fighters are kind of getting screwed over by not being able to use their sponsors adds like another sting to the whole thing. So um, either way, man, I think, um, you know, the old days were the, were the good old days, in my opinion. You know, the toughest guys fought the toughest guys. There were, you know, there were crazy fights. There were definitely spectacles, for sure. But there was a logic. There was like a brutal logic to the way, you know, to who fought who. And I feel like that is uh, ruining the sport, you know. And, and I know that uh, the new owners of the UFC have a huge uh, bill to pay, you know, and, and they're trying to make money, and I get it. But, you know, as a fan, I feel like the product has suffered, you know. I mean, we're, we're still young. Maybe, you know, young in their the new era, but maybe uh, maybe things will turn around, you know, or, say, or maybe Bellator will overtake the UFC and become the promotion to watch, you know, there are several new UFC, ex-UFC fighters that just signed a Bellator. We got Rory McDonald, um, you know, Wonder Boy, uh, not Wonder Boy, Phil, Mr. Wonderful Davis, uh, Matt Mitrione. You know, Koscheck was one of the first guys to, to sign, even though he, you know, things haven't really worked out too well for him. Uh, Benson Henderson's down there now. And, uh, you know, it's a, it seems like they're building up a solid roster, you know, and then they also have... Guys of their own that are great, you know, like Michael Chandler, excellent fighter. You know, I follow his career. Um, so anyway, that's my take on the whole Bellator UFC thing. So now let's get on to UFC 210. I'm not going to go cover the whole uh, card. Uh, I kind of want to keep this first episode uh, concise and uh, definitely just stick to the main card. Um, you know, just run it down, give my predictions. You know, and you guys let me know. You know, what you think of some of these predictions, if you disagree or agree, you know, let me know in the comments sections or you can hit me on Facebook or put it in the notes somehow. Um, so the first fight is, uh, speaking of ex-Bellator, speaking of Bellator, we got Will Brooks versus Charles Oliveira in the lightweight division. You know, Brooks recently came up from Bellator and um, he's one and one in the UFC right now. His last fight was uh, was a loss to Alex Oliveira and... Uh, you know, he was killing it in Bellator. He's got uh, victories over uh, Michael Chandler, who I just was talking about, and uh, Marcin Held, who now is in the UFC. And, uh, you know, he's was tearing it up in the lower promotion, and, you know, now he's like 500. So let's see. You know, Charles Oliveira, Charles Dubronx Oliveira, uh, his last win has been is back in uh, 2015 over the, you know, sort of, abandoned uh miles jury you know miles jury who's, who's heard from him in the last uh three years you know he's mia but anyway miles jury was the last guy that he beat he lost two in a row and uh you know he he's last two losses are against good guys you know it was anthony pettis and uh, ricardo Lamas. so um it's kind of do or die for uh for charles Oliveira. 
Um, it's it's easy to look at this fight as being a um, a sort of gimme for Will Brooks, but I believe Charles you know Charles Oliveira is a solid fighter. Maybe that desperation of knowing that your job might be on the line uh, will give him the motivation to uh, to step things up in this fight. But also, I feel like Will Brooks uh, hasn't really come into his own in the UFC yet. And uh, this should be an interesting fight for, you know, at least to me, it'll be an interesting fight because I've been following Brooks's career for a while. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. My, my pick, I'm going to pick Will Brooks. I'm going to say that the superior American wrestling is going to uh, to neutralize Charles Oliveira. So I'm going to I'm going to pick Will Brooks over Charles Oliveira. And I'm going to say uh, second round TKO. You know, ground and pound stoppage. That's how I'm going to call it for this fight. That's something I kind of just did on the fly, man. I, I wasn't really intending on calling the round and method of stoppage. But, you know, hey, man, we're having fun. So up next, we got Tiago Alvarez. Up next, we have Tiago Alves versus Patrick Cote, the welterweight division. Alves has had a lot of issues making weight. I know that he, he's dropped down to 155. He had a hard time down there. Um, his last fight, he missed weight, and that was at 155 against Jim Miller. And uh, you know, he he weighed in at something crazy, like 160 pounds or like 162 pounds or something like that, like not even close to the weight class. And they 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 almost called the fight off, but Miller agreed to do it. And I think Miller actually gained a couple pounds, so it was kind of at this like weird catch weight, you know, of maybe 160 pounds or 158 pounds or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but all I know is that the dude missed weight by a huge margin, and uh, now he's back up at welterweight. Um, and I think he actually has performed better at welterweight in the past anyway. But uh, anyway, that's that's what we got. Cote is coming off a loss to Donald Cerrone, and Cerrone at 170 has been a Mack truck. Um, I know he lost recently. I know that uh, he was KO'd, but the dude fights like six times a year. So what do you expect? A wear and tear on the body, all those training camps. I know that he's, uh, you know, in some interviews I've heard, he's, I think he's actually curtailed all of his sparring. So, uh, you know, that's good. You know, it's less wear and tear on your body, just doing drills, hitting pads, grappling, you know, saving yourself some brain trauma. But still, the up and down, the you know, I'm sure he has to cut a few pounds to get to 170. Uh, the, you know, the hard training itself wears you out. And I think that it was bound to happen that he was going to be tempting fate too many times. And, uh, you know, he was going to get caught. And that's, I think, exactly what happened in his last fight. That's not to say that Cerrone's loss to Jorge Masvidal was a fluke, but I think that, uh, you know, I think Masvidal's a great fighter. You know, was sort of underrated, underrated and flying under the radar for the last few years. But, you know, he's made a, he stepped it, stepped it up. But I do think that Cerrone has the ability to beat Jorge Masvidal. And um, I think that if he had actually taken some time off or not been so ready so willing to, you know, take a short short notice fight just to be able to fight in Colorado. 
um, that he might have come out victorious or had a better chance or maybe lasted the three rounds. Um, so, yeah, or five rounds. I don't remember if it was a three- or five-round fight. But, uh, you know, be that, as, be that as it may, losing to Donald Cerrone is – there's no shame in that. Um, you know, Cote fought twice last year, and he had a win over Ben Saunders. So he's, you know, one and one over the last uh, two fights. For me, I kind of feel – I kind of feel like uh, Tiago Alves – is in the twilight of his career. Um, I mean, he's you know he's fought the he's fought the who's who of mixed martial arts. You know, George St. Pierre, John Fitch, Matt Hughes, uh, Caro Parisian. You know, like you know a bunch of a bunch of studs, man. You know, so he's been through the ringer. You know, kind of feel like with the weight cuts and all that sort of stuff that he might be on his uh, sort of twilight years. So I'm gonna pick Patrick Cote. I feel like. Even though Cote hasn't fared well, you know, he's 500 over the last year, I still think that he has what it takes to defeat Tiago Alves. And um, so, yeah, that's my pick. Oh, yeah, so uh, it's going to come down to a decision. Cote, decision. It's going to go to the judges' scorecards. The fight's going to go the distance. It's going to be a lot of back and forth. But I feel like Cote is going to get the better of these exchanges. And the decision is going to go to Patrick Cote. I don't know a whole lot about these next two. Uh, we got Cynthia Calvillo versus Pearl Gonzalez at the uh, strawweight division. And uh, this is apparently Gonzalez's UFC uh, debut. I looked her up on Sherdog, and she has a win streak going on over a few different smaller promotions. But uh, I haven't actually seen any of her fights, so uh, it's kind of odd to me that this uh this fight i mean you know hey nothing against these ladies but i find it odd that it's on the main card this would be maybe late in the prelims you know it's like we got a bunch of heavy hitters on the main card and to throw this as somebody's debut you know irregardless regardless if it's a male or or female to have your debut fight on a a pay-per-view main card i find to be odd so anyway uh not much is known about pearl but um and this is also you know, Calvillo's second fight. Uh, she's got a win over Amanda Cooper. And I saw that fight. She looked good, man. She was uh, her great grappling transitions, pretty solid movement. And, um, yeah, she looked great. So maybe that has something to do with why she's on such a high-profile fight at, on the main card. You know, maybe she's a prospect that they're thinking about promoting. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's she's uh, she's 1-0. and That's great, you know. Because I don't know anything about Gonzalez, I'm going to pick Calvillo. Uh, I'm going to say it's a second-round submission because that's how she got Cooper. It was like this really cool transition from, I think it was like a Darce choke. Uh, there was a little bit of a scramble. She transitioned to the back, and then there was a rear naked choke. Which even And even with the rear naked choke, there was some movement. Cooper went to her belly, and... Uh, Calvillo put one of those uh, Sambo-style rear naked chokes on her where she was on top, you know, got that neck position, you know, brutal rear naked choke. So now we're down to the big guns here. We got Chris Weidman versus Gigard Musasi at middleweight. And this is... uh, (laughs) People talk about taking tune-up fights, and, uh, you know, Weidman came off a, a brutal KO 
uh, with your against Yo Romero in, in a fight that Weidman I felt was winning, and then all it took was that one, you know, shallow double leg attempt and uh, you know that knee to put Weidman out, and it, it was a brutal KO, man. Nonetheless, it's like you need a lot of time to recover from something like that. Uh, so yeah, Weidman's uh, 0-2 in his last two fights, two losses. And it's it's crazy. This you know MMA is a crazy sport because one year you're the champ, you seem unstoppable, and then the following year you've got two row two losses in a row, and you're wondering where it all what what went wrong. So that's kind of the position that uh, Chris Weidman is in right now. And uh, Musasi is on a, a tear right now. I mean he's got you know, several a string of a nice string of victories. You know, over Uriah Hall, um, Vitor, Bel- Vitor Belfort, uh, Talos Leches, Tiago Santos. I mean, I know that these names uh, are not, except for maybe Vitor, are not, say, the top of the top in the division. But nonetheless, he's got all these victories. I mean, he hasn't fought the same pedigree of fighter that Chris Weidman has. I mean, Weidman has two wins over Anderson Silva, you know, Vitor Belfort, um, you know, he's prior to the Anderson Silva fight, you know, he was undefeated. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Weidman, you know, has the, um, the more impressive list of, uh, of victories. Um, you know, but Musasi, though he might not have like the pedigree of, uh, of defeated opponents has the sort of, um, I would say, you know, experience i mean the guy's got something like what like 30 or 30 fights i think under his belt so he's somebody that's like real comfortable in the octagon he's real comfortable with fights like you know he might not you know weidman too but also there's something to be said for like just being in competition that many times so um it's going to be an interesting fight i mean if it was two years ago it would be a no-brainer i would i would pick chris weidman i think weidman would have you know boxed him you know, he would have, like, grabbed a hold of him, took him down, got on top, and beat him up. I mean, that's, you know, kind of like what Weidman does. You know, I, mean, I love both of these fighters. Even though, like, in the beginning, I wasn't really uh, on board with Chris Weidman. I didn't really believe in him on the early days. But as time went on, I, you know, I'm starting to see that he's, like, this big, strong guy. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he's solid. He's a solid wrestler. You know, he's good hands. Um, he's just not maybe the kind of fighter that I like to watch per se. Um, but that's just like a personal preference. I think he's definitely was a great champion and maybe he's got it in him to become champion again. I mean, it'd be interesting to see him get past Musasi and see where he goes after this. Uh, so forced to, uh, make a choice here. I'm going to pick Chris Weidman and I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's going to be a first-round KO. I think that Weidman will have made the whatever recovery he has to make to be ready for this fight. You know, I think you know Weidman's got KO power, that's for sure. And um, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to get crazy, and that's what I'm going to uh, I'm going to say. So now the fight that we've all been waiting for finally. Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Daniel Cormier Way for the light heavyweight crown. You know, this is their rematch. And uh, everyone's probably seen the first fight where um, Rumble actually dropped Cormier. 
but DC ended up, uh, you know, sort of wrestling them down and, you know, take basically gassing them out and then submitting them. I mean, that's that's what happens when you fight an Olympic wrestler. Both of these guys are, you know, have a, a long storied career, fought in multiple weight classes. Uh, you know, Johnson was in the UFC, fought at welterweight, and uh, which is crazy. I mean, if you look at the size of this guy. He looks like he walks around at like 230 pounds. So the idea of him cutting all the way down to 170 is pretty insane to me. I mean, even even at 205, the guy's jacked. He's just shredded, you know, and super athletic dude. It blows my mind that he got down to 170. But, hey, uh, you know, he has a loss against Koscheck, I remember. And, you know, Koscheck is sort of like one of those guys who always hovered at the top but was able to be beaten and, you know, that's that's kind of his story. So he was dropped from the UFC. He went down to uh, Titan and World Series of Fighting, spent some time down there. And then in 2014, he returned to the UFC as a light heavyweight. And he's been on this uh, reign of terror since then. Uh, I think that since, you know, since his return to the UFC, the only person who's beaten him has been Daniel Cormier. So... You know, and that that fight, frankly, could have gone either way. I think that Rumble could have easily knocked DC out in the first round. You know, and um, that's kind of the the risk you take when you fight a guy like Anthony Rumble Johnson. You know, uh, DC, you know, champion, light, you know, light heavyweight champ, UFC, you know, heavyweight champ in Strike Force. Um, you know, I think he he medaled in the Olympics. I think he's a either a silver or bronze medalist, possibly. I'd have to check that. Um, the thing with DC is that I mean, this has got nothing. This part has nothing to do with fighting, but it, is it me or do fans just not seem to like Daniel Cormier? I mean, it seems like no one has really bought him as the champ, and I know that has a lot to do with John Jones and uh, you know, but Jones isn't around, man. Jones is through his own negligence has taken himself out of the picture so why not embrace dc as the champ i mean there's always going to be an asterisk next to his name unless he defeats john jones but who knows where that guy's where he's at where is john jones what's he doing right now you know i mean i know he's been doing these like grappling contests but i want to see john jones in the octagon you know i think that he's an interesting fighter um unlike these other guys who try to play the bad guy I feel like John Jones is kind of a bad guy trying to play a good guy, which, you know, that conflict made him an interesting person, I think. But still, man, I, I would like DC to get the respect that he deserves. And maybe if he beats Rumble, um, this is going to, you know, legitimize his crown in the light heavyweight division to most people. I mean, I look at DC and I see a champion. My, you know, I, I, I see a champion. He did not defeat John Jones. You know, but under the circumstances that we're faced with right now, he's the best guy. You know, at least he's defending his title, unlike the guy that's down at uh, lightweight in the UFC. You know, the guy has, you know, achieved two championships and has defended neither of them. So I uh, give him credit for that, for being a true champion and defending his, his title. And um, so, yeah, so now if I have to make a pick here, man, it's so difficult to decide who's going to win this fight like i said man 
Johnson throws heavy leather, you know, and, and all it takes is one shot from one of those hams that he calls fists, and it's lights out, you know. If he's going to stop DC, it's going to be in the first round. It's going to be a quick shot, and it's going to drop DC. But if it goes into the later rounds, I'm going to favor DC. I think that, uh, you know, having a big guy like DC clinching with you and taking you down, and he is going to take him down. I mean, Johnson's, uh, you know, he's got a wrestling background, but DC's an Olympian. I mean, he's taking everyone down. He's got a... A, a very good arsenal of of takedowns, throws, you know, sweeps, double legs, single legs. You know, he's got it all. So uh, it's only a matter of time. It might not be in that first round. I'm going to say that the first round is primarily going to be on the feet, you know, either at distance or in the clinch. And um, that's when Johnson has his opportunity to take the, to take the victory. If it goes to the second round, we're going to see some more successful. Uh, we're going to see some success at the takedown. You know, maybe some throws from the clinch. Uh, you know, once you got DC on top of you, though, man, I think that's it's going to be the end of end of the line. So, ah, man, all right, I'm going to be conservative here. I'm going to pick DC, and I'm going to pick second round TKO. I think it's gonna it's gonna go down like that. So um so yeah. Second round TKO with DC. So that's it, man. That's our first episode. You know, it's fun. Um, I'm going to try to refine this thing. I mean, maybe I will cover the whole card next time. Uh, so yeah, you guys, let me know. It's let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up on Facebook. You know, whatever. Email me at mike.hill at everythingwithblackmedia.com. Um, rate this on iTunes. You know, write a review. Give it a star rating. You know, it doesn't have to be a five-star rating, but, you know, please do so. Be honest. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ.com. Um, Everything Went Black's got a Facebook page. And I just want to give one plug. I plugged it on the last episode of the Everything Went Black podcast, but my buddies over at Raktan Muay Thai, uh, they just started uh, classes this week. Uh, so if you're interested in learning the brutal combat sport of Muay Thai, um, check them out. If you're in the New York area, they're in Queens. They're at Henzo Gracie Astoria. It's three great guys, you know, uh, Sri John, Mike De Guzman, and uh, Jamul. Um, Jamul is, uh, I remember getting beat up by him pretty badly in, uh, over at Coban's and sparring. Uh, great, great instructors and um, really cool guys. And uh, once you're done with your Muay Thai class, you can stick around and, uh, you know, join join Henzo Gracie's uh, Fight Academy over there and uh, get some rolling in. So yeah, uh, that's a quick plug. You know, check them out, and uh, I'll see you next time, man. I'm gonna try to keep this thing going. So uh, have a good evening, and uh, thanks for listening. Okay.